Recorded live. So that's kind of the thing that I began to conclude the the thoughts that I was putting together as you and I have been talking about uh, some of these things, and um, I proposed the 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 thought to you that uh, we really need to help our people understand how they can help their brother Weinstein. And as you look at what the latest developments were uh, this afternoon, that there's a huge story about to break, that this uh, Russian collusion really has a lot to do with Hillary, Billary, and and uh, Attorney General, uh, what's his name, and and the other woman that met Bill on the tarmac, and all of those all those people, and so they're not about anything but power and power and the love of money. Um, and a country means nothing. Uh, as you put it, Russell, uh, rearrange. Uh, yeah, they, they're all about, um, these are all just, these are all just things that we do when we, when we are about power and money and so forth. Uh, there's no there's no boundaries there's no no um, sanctity of of uh, Christian Christianity or Christian living or any of the rest of that it's all about money and power and it has nothing to do with uh, anything else they are completely corrupt to the core and as you said it really brings us right back to a spirit that we find in Cain. And I say, yep, exactly right. And that seems well, to be what I've kind of concluded my thoughts. If we if we pray, thy kingdom come. And kingdom is another word for system or government. Whose government's in control now? If we're honest... We'd have to admit this doesn't appear to be a godly kingdom government in America right now. Would you agree? Right. And so it's that same spirit that's the anti-God that that drives the antithesis. Clearly. Yeah, clearly. Clearly it... uh... And, and then that conjures up a whole bunch of other things in our minds, well, you know. Exactly. So now we have to explain why. And it has to get back to the same thing that went on in the Old Testament with his people. Right? What? How? How? How else can you explain it? They turned their back on him. And this is... This is the evolution of the way he set up the system to operate. It's going to fall. And his his people don't love him and do his will, then they get oppressed. And there's a depressive attitude toward Christians in America right now. 
Absolutely. One issue, the the queer issue is one real big one. If you say, I I don't think it's right, then you're cuckified, aren't you? Absolutely. And there are many others. Uh, If you say fornication's wrong, you're a kook. You're a hayseed, a hillbilly, an idiot, a square. What's so bad about being a square, Doug? Um, well, it, you know, again, it's it's all about propaganda, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. if I can propagandize you into believing that square is bad and round is good then at some point in time you're going to be convinced that square is bad and round is good. Well, how about a rolling stone is the way to go as opposed to a stable stone? Right. You know, it's cooler to roll on down the road, isn't it? Yeah. Um, And nowadays you, you tap it and move on. Do it again and again and again. You leave little kids all over the United States. Who cares? So what? You're a rolling stone, a rambling man. You're something that all the girls want to catch. Uh, is the uh, is the login number and everything working tonight? Yep. Yep, uh, we all have to log in the same number, so. Uh, is anybody logged in besides us? No, no. I'm not I'm not seeing anything at all right now. Texas just sent us a message that he no, could. How's that? How's that? Said he couldn't log in. He said that his pen wasn't working. Well, what does he have? What pen? Um, Doesn't he just go to talk shoe and follow the instructions? Yeah, well, yeah, he goes, he calls the talk shoe number and then dials in one four two eight zero four, and he'll be connected. Now, did he, see, he may not have set up a, uh, a talk shoe so he would be registered as a guest only. He wouldn't be able to communicate, so he'll need to, He'll need to set something up, and uh, I guess that's one thing that probably everybody's forgotten by now. Yeah. Did you send anything out in the emails? Uh, I didn't send any emails. All I did was send an email to you. With a list. Yeah. Which Which I sent out. Two of them kicked back. One of them was Matthew Dyer. The other one was uh, J.C. or K.C. somebody. Well, could we just tell Zant to go to talk to you and follow the instructions for Gideon Warriors? Yeah, but if he wants to participate, he, he's he got a, he can, let's see, will he be able to chat or? Um, um, I don't think you have to make an account to talk I don't, on I've never phone. made one. Yeah, yeah. So on the phone, if you log in on the phone, you don't need an account, but if you do it on the computer, you do. 
Okay. All right. Yeah, so if he's dialed up the number and it'll say enter your uh, uh, caller ID uh, or the call ID and it's 142804. So. Okay. Well, anyway, I, uh, I asked them all to join us tonight. Oh, okay. So, so, uh, doesn't look like they're all late. Yeah. Well, can uh, can somebody give him a give him a call or something on another phone and yeah. and Cindy just texted him texted him what he needs to know, but yeah. Uh, and I said start at seven thirty and. Uh, and you know, if we ever get a chance to talk to everybody, you know, it's uh, it's it's there for that amount of time. We all understand if you, you know, you can only come for thirty minutes. Come for thirty minutes. Right. You know, if you want to come ninety minutes, come ninety minutes. If you want to stay up later, you got to talk to Doug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the phone, the pen said it was wrong or in use. Well, okay. Give me, tell me what what they're doing. Give me the instructions that was uh, tell uh, tell um, uh, Cindy to text me what she texted him. And I'll see if there's a problem that way with what she sent. Guess it'd be the only way to do it right now. Well, can we have Zant text you? Yeah, he can text me. I can. I can probably text him too. Uh, I think he's in my phone. Unless he's changed his phone number recently. Uh, that's uh, awesome. Um, let me try to just hit text, Zant. Uh, no, um, I don't appear um, to... What do you guys do to call in? What do you have to put in? What? I was just wondering what they have to put in. Um, they do a phone number. And I got ID. A, yeah, I got another West Texas that popped up that's muted. So is that uh, one of yours? That's uh, probably Texas. Yeah. Uh, Texas. Okay. All right. Uh, well, Texas knows how. Texas knew how to do it too, right? Dial the number and enter the caller ID, right? That hasn't. Come in on talk show, you though. He was. Right. I said I don't think Zan's ever been in on the talk show. Okay, no. is he trying? Is he trying to log in on the phone or the computer? On the phone. All right. So the phone. Does he? And he has the number. I'm assuming he does. Would you All repeat right. the number? Dial. 
Hello. Yeah. 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 I didn't I didn't get the memo about the one pound. Oh it comes after you push in the code. Well you got it. It wasn't on the email. Yeah. I just got you to talk to you. What more could you ask for? (laughs) The password to get in? I'm hearing oh, some clicking uh, noises. What? Weird clicking noises. Uh, I don't think it's me. Well, the clicking is me texting uh, Zan, so I just uh, sent it to oh. him. Gotcha. All righty. So, yeah, so that's basically the way I see it right now is that, um, you know, I think it all pretty much dovetails with what you and I have been talking about, Russell, is that, you know, uh, the more we continue to look, the more we see that uh, there are uh, a continual operation to undermine Christianity and uh, to push it out of the way. And that that playbook uh, and that play is as old as the scriptures. Well, uh it's uh, almost eight o'clock, so Doug, I guess this is about all that's gonna tune in for your uh, your message on Mr. Weinstein. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I see. I see what you're doing here. You're trying to put a bunch of expectations out there that uh, I may not live up to at all. Well, anyhow, the the thought that came to my mind is Russell and I had been talking this past week. I was thinking, you know, uh, this this thing with Weinstein and now the latest revelation that came down the news channel today uh, is that uh, the breaking story is that the true Russian collusion story involves Obama, Hillary, and uh, and Soviet uh, nuclear uh, companies in the United States, and so. It's nothing new to us. It doesn't surprise us or anything else, but I think it dovetails pretty well into exactly where our thoughts have been going. And I teased Russell the other day saying, you know, I think what we need to do is our people need to know how they can help Brother Weinstein. And he thought that was pretty funny. And uh, so I guess he's he's tweaked all you guys to see uh, if you'd be interested. But... Uh, for those that are joining, it's good to, to have everybody. Uh, it's been a long time since we set this up and, and made it available and have been working on keeping it alive and, and making it uh, fruitful and beneficial. So, uh, And this is kind of the way it was for me when I was doing solutions. You know, guys would say something to me or we would talk together, the the gentleman that started it and were trying to host it, and, and it would something would would pique our thoughts, and we'd roll with it. I mean, oftentimes, uh, you know, we'd uh, we'd pick a topic out of something that, that came out of the day's events, and, uh, and, you know, we would roll with that, and uh, it was up to us to, 
to fill an hour's worth of time. If there were no callers, if there were callers, they'd have some input that could help uh, direct our thoughts. And, and the whole idea is that we've got to get better at communicating the things that are in the biblical record because there's so much disinformation uh, being taught to our people from the clergy, uh, from the schoolhouse to to the propaganda news machine. So uh, it's it's everything we can do to 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 combat that propaganda and utilize the tools that uh, that our Father in Heaven has given us, and that's that's His Word. Um, there's hundreds of prophecies in the Bible, and Bible prophecy is the quintessential key. But it's strange to me that the theological teachers basically have failed to completely and adequately study and teach what the Bible clearly reveals. And what it clearly reveals is the story about Jacob Israel. There's some other players in there. There's no doubt about that. But you guys all know that it's about Jacob Israel. And, and we used to have kingdom preachers who taught about this kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ and his reign over it. And they got sidetracked. But I think there's some reasons probably that this is happening. Uh, first reason might be there's two distinct and different titles or names which God uses in identifying his people, and they are simply the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And they have to be clearly understood. They've got to be clearly learned. Secondly, it's possible just the ignorance of the prophecies themselves concerning the house of Israel, and that those prophecies to the house of Israel are not the same as the prophecies concerning the house of Judah. So, that could be part of it. It could be this, this here, uh, the syncretization or the synonymous usage of the noun Israel and the noun Jew. They're as opposite as black is from white. So when we're thinking about our brother Weinstein and how we can help him, I think the best way that we can help him is that we show him for what he is and who he is. Amen. Um, another reason might be that the prophecies, or the, maybe I should say the premillennial prophecies concerning the house of Israel, have not been fulfilled to the house of Judah. So what has been fulfilled to the house of Israel may not have yet been fulfilled to the house of Judah, or it may, in fact, be fulfilled to the house of Judah, but we need to understand the two of them. Another thing that could be the reason why and the problem is archaeological findings and studies that have been revealed and do testify to the unequivocal absurdity of referring to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and even our Redeemer, Emmanuel the Christ, as a Jew, is just profoundly lacking in the church world today. 
in spite of all the archaeological evidence. Uh, there's a, certainly an apathy that we know that exists on the part of the church world that says, well, what does it matter anyway? You probably have these conversations your, yourselves. You're talking to people, trying to teach them that there is uh, something wrong in their understanding about who God's chosen people are. And so then when you begin to tell them, the first thing that they'll throw back to you after you lay a good case out is, well, what does it matter? There's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. Don't you know, brother? <laughs> so I know it's a difficult task, and there's another thought here I had as being possibly one of the reasons why um, the problem exists concerning the understanding and identity of Jacob Israel. There's not a single biblical historical reference transliterated or corrupted or otherwise that is contained in the biblical record that specifies or identifies any known people called Jews for nearly 15 centuries after the birth of Abraham. And that's a half a dozen centuries after Moses. So I think one of the first things that we should try to do in helping our people in understanding Brother Weinstein is we're going to have to come back to the beginning and we're going to have to delve into Adam's chronological and genealogical timetable or his genealogical table. I think, think, Doug, I think uh, there's one other thing that may have an influence and I'm just throwing this out there because of the conversation I had with Texas earlier, but is it possible that if they get us um, numbed, I guess, with fluorine or any other chemical through the foods they give us, that would be another way of of circumventing the truth. Well, absolutely. Even like you and I were talking about the other day, um, whether whether there's things within the food that has uh, caused us to have memory issues and things of that nature, um, certainly we can we can point to lots of things. But I think you and I concluded that that really it all does come back to the fact that if we would but read we would be reminded, wouldn't we? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't wanna I didn't wanna throw your train off the track. Go ahead with your thoughts. Well when we're looking at the genealogical record of Adam, there's ten generations, the Bible says, from Adam to Noah. And then there's four generations to Shem and six more generations to Abraham, which is another ten generations. As the Bible says, it's ten generations, Adam to Noah, and ten generations you know, to Abraham. But that's the way it breaks down, four generations to Shem, and then six to Abraham. And the sons of Eber have biblically been recorded as Hebrews. Eber, Hebrews. So if we can... We can understand that, recognize that, and kind of drill that down into our core is that 
If you are a Hebrew, you are a son of Eber or a descendant of Eber. So that's how they got identified as Hebrews. Hebrews. It's basically because the H is silent. Abraham, I think, uh, probably the next place we need to go is to look at Abraham. He had eight sons. One son was Ishmael by Hagar. One son, uh, Genesis 21, was Isaac. You guys all know this, but I'm just trying to recap quickly. That was from Sarah. And he had six sons from Keturah, Genesis 25. Abraham is the only son of Eber. Well, I used the word only, but I don't think I wanted that there. So I'm just going to say Abraham is the son of Eber. I must have just threw that down, and it doesn't make sense, so I will strike that. But it's really important that we understand that, because therefore his descendants would be Hebrews. Now, when we're talking with our brethren out there and those who do not know this truth, a very important question could be asked of us at this point, and that is, is Ishmael a Jew? Well, I think you ask any Arab out there, he'd emphatically tell you absolutely not he is not a Jew. And that would be a pretty interesting response, don't you think? Because they don't want anything to do with a Jew, in for the most part. But that's very important. So um, there's no way that they're going to state that they're a Jew. So that whole terminology does not affix to them, and they would never want it affixed to them. Now, I'm going to continue with some other things here. Those... Um, other sons are Zimram, Jokshan, Medan, Median, Ishbak, and Shua. And they formed the Brahmins of India. Archaeologically record. This one son, Isaac is the genealogical table of Eber or Hebrews established. And the prophecy of Isaac is found in Genesis 21:12. And God said unto Abram, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. And all that Sarah has said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall the seed be called. Now I know you guys are all probably with me so far. But I'm trying to lay out something here that we can have another piece of it when we are talking to people and trying to lay out the kingdom identity message. That son Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. If Abraham is a Jew, I just recently read an article where once again the writer of that article stated that Abraham is a Jew. They make that distinction incorrectly. And why are they making it incorrectly? Because if Abraham is a Jew, then Ishmael is a Jew. 
You see what I'm trying to do here in our minds? I'm trying to get our minds into that thought process that completely convolutes their whole incorrect theological underpinning. Certainly, Certainly it would follow suit, wouldn't it, that the other six sons are also Jews. And then it would follow that Isaac is a Jew and that Jacob is a Jew. You see, and that's why they have to say that all of them are Jews because you're too smart and you would figure this out and say, hey, that doesn't make sense. Why is Abraham a Jew and Isaac a Jew, but Arabs not, uh, the Arabs of Ishmael are not Jews? So what's going on here? So the only way they can reconcile it is to call everybody a Jew. Am I making sense? Yeah, I've I've wondered about this because we have an Arab friend around the corner, and he is very very well versed in the politics of the Jews, and he just he knows them inside out. He's from Jordan, and he's a very interesting character. And following your line of thought, he had. I mean, I just don't know enough about the history of Ishmael and his descendants. But, you know, how did they turn into Arab people? I mean, see, I'm a little ignorant on my Arab histories. Well, you see, the the way that happens is not real difficult. And we're going to actually talk about a little bit of that. Do you think that by all the intermingling and intermixing that it's possible that there's these different looking individuals from time to time? It's really possible, isn't it? Yeah. But I suspect if you talk to your Arab friend there now and and say, hey, the thought occurred to me that if Abraham's a Jew and Isaac's a Jew and Jacob's a Jew, then you must be a Jew and just watch him unload on you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, I, I I question whether or not you'll even get the words fully out of your mouth before he's unloading on you. But the point is, is it's a teachable moment because it helps us to really recognize how false this whole dichotomy is and what it is that they're doing and have been doing for centuries and why it's important that our people get a grip on this and get an understanding of this and come out of the shadows and the clouds that they, you know, their theological teachers have got them in. But... Let's just go now and let's carry forth because I don't want to run out of time. If Esau is Jacob's uh, twin brother and Esau, the scripture says, is it Edom, then Esau's descendants are known as Edomites, correct? And yes, we know this is true because Genesis 36.8 tells us that. And this is what it says, quote, Thus dwelt Esau in Mount Seir. Esau is Edom. 
hence Edomites. And they also began to migrate into the Turkish region or became known even in archaeological history as part of the Turks. All right, now we got to Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. And he had 12 sons from four women. Leah was the eldest of Laban's daughters, and her name was Bilhah. Or excuse me, she gave also, one of the other mothers was Bilhah, the concubine, uh, which was Leah's handmaid. And that's who Reuben had an incestual relationship with. Genesis 35 and 49 there. And, by the way, he lost his firstborn birthright. Okay, um, so uh, he lost that to Joseph. Remember, uh, Jacob passed that blessing on to Joseph and his two children, uh, uh, who in turn passed it on to Ephraim and Manasseh. Find that at First Chronicles 5, 1 and 2. Zilpah was Rachel's handmaid, so she was the third mother, Genesis 30, and then Rachel was the fourth mother, and that was the one that was actually chosen by God in answer to Jacob's prayer when he met Rachel at the well, and he served Laban seven years for her and, of course, seven years for Leah uh, by subtlety of, of Laban. Now, again, the reason I lay this brief chronology and genealogy out is because the prophecies are concerning Israel, Jacob Israel. Remember, the name was changed in Genesis 32.25, and 35.10.12 is where God actually called Jacob by the name Jacob Israel. Now, before we go any further, I think we've got to address Jacob's son Judah, because we, we know all the names, so we've got to, in order to expedite it, we've got to get to that son Judah right off the bat. And we have to ask the question, can the noun Jew be applied to the son Judah? Yes, it's possible that that could be applied to him if there is a um, contraction of the word Judah into Jew. But the true answer is no. From that day forth, Judah have, would have been biblically referred to as Jew. But from that time forward, Judah was not referred to as Jew. In every single instance in which God addressed Judah, he addressed it as the house of Judah which also included and comprised Benjamin in many instances. So, it's theologically incorrect to call Judah specifically a Jew since God never referred to Judah as a Jew. And, in fact, it was 600 years after before that word and term was ever first used. 
there was a lot of period of time there in which God had ample opportunity to have referred to the house of Judah as the house of the Jews. But he never did. Judah had three sons. The archaeological record shows Zerah populated the shores of the Mediterranean, and that was long before the Exodus. So they had already, the people of Zerah, the genealogical line of Judah's son Zerah, had already begun migrating to other lands and, in fact, migrated along the entire Mediterranean coast. It's important that we recognize and understand it. This genealogical line of Zerah is in Zerah's emblems, and Zerah's emblems show up in the Mediterranean area by the red hand circled with a scarlet cord. Remember the birth record regarding Zerah and Phares in Genesis 38? All right, so there's Zerah's twin, Phares. He was the genealogical progeny of the tribe of Judah. And God divided this genealogical line into two houses. He referred to it as the house of David in 2 Samuel 7, 1-17, who was to rule all Israel, and the house of Judah in 1 Kings 12. You can get a sense of it in verse 20. It says, When all her Israel heard that Jeroboam had come back, they summoned him to the assembly and made him king over all Israel. Rehoboam sought to fight against Israel with the house of Judah and Benjamin. And the only way the term Jew can be applied at this time to the house of Judah is only possible by a transliteration of Jew as being synonymous with Judah or Judea, living predominantly in Judean lands, hence the corrupted term Jew. There's no ancestral genealogical line that can be called Jew. This has to be clear. Here's why. Descendants don't name ancestors. Ancestors' progeny are named by the ancestors. When we look at the king family, we are stating the king family because the king family is those who are in the king family. Now, there will be extensions outside of the actual king family that may one day become referred to as other than the king family by marriage and so forth. You see what I'm saying? So we can't have Abraham being named a Jew because of his descendant, Judah. Are you following me? Yeah. Not yeah. logical. Huh? Not logical. No, it's not logical. 
So it's impossible for somebody to say that Abraham is a Jew. If we're going to say, well, where's the term Jew come from? Well, it comes from Judah. Well, why would Abraham be called by a name that Abraham's descendants were already called by? Remember, God said in, in Jacob, shall the, shall the seed be called. Or in Isaac, rather, shall the seed be called. So, so God actually named the seed and Abraham, we could, we could argue or want to argue and say, well, why aren't Abraham's children just known as Abramites? Because that's not what God did and that's not what he said. What he said is in Isaac's seed, in, in Isaac shall, shall the seed be called. Or I guess I need to look that scripture up. What is that? Genesis the uh, because I, I think I'm kind of messing up how I'm saying it. In Isaac shall the seed be called. Is that right? I think I got it right now, don't I? Yeah, it's in Genesis somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll look at Jeremiah. Uh, put him to the task of looking that one up quick to correct me on uh, on the verbiage there so that I don't make any confusing things there. But... Call again. Huh? What's it say? What's it say again? In, in Isaac shall thy seed be called. I believe is the scripture. Okay. Uh, is is Jeremiah our paid uh, Berean consultant? Check. You. Yeah. Yeah. He. Uh, when all else fails, and I got too many things on my plate here, I can't uh, get back and and flip through the pages to look at that without making a bunch of noise for you. So. Um, but anyhow, that's a really important thing that I think can help us to counteract the false theology on that, is that if we understand that you cannot have an, an ancestral line being called by the, the, the ancestral line is called by the ancestor. It's not the other way around. So I hope that helps. Um, Jeremiah chapter 3, I will flip there real quick because I don't want to clobber that one. Um, sometimes I don't write the full scripture down because I think I'll remember it, but sometimes it's probably best not to do that. In Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 8, this is where the uh, another clear distinction of these two houses lies. Now, I know you guys know all this. I'm just trying to find a way to give us some additional ammunition, and there'll be a few other points, I think, that'll follow here that'll bring it all together and give us the details and a few extra points of ammunition. But in Jeremiah 3.8, that's where you find the divorce. And I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. And it came to pass through the lightness of her whoredom that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and with stocks. And yet for all this her treacherous sister Judah has not returned unto me with her whole heart, but faintedly said the Lord. And the Lord said unto me, The backslidden Israel has justified herself more than treacherous Judah. All right, so we're referring to two different entities again. And 
this is not to be glossed over by the church world. And those in the Judeo church world can't continue to just okay. ignore. Did somebody say something? It wasn't us. Okay, I, I heard something that sounded like somebody might have been trying to speak. So um, there's just no one that can even claim that those two are somehow the same. That God, why would God refer to them as two different things, two different entities, two different houses, two different family lines, if he did not intend that they were two distinctly separate entities that he was dealing with. But Judah and Israel are the same. All 12 sons of Jacob are Israel. Judah is a son, so he's only one smart, small part of Israel, whom God singled out as Judah. And Leah, Laban's uh, eldest daughter, and Rachel, Laban's youngest daughter, whom Jacob served for, those are the two families recorded for us in uh, Jeremiah chapter 33. So if you're in Jeremiah, let's flip over to Jeremiah chapter 33. It does? Yep. Uh, Genesis 21, 12, I think is the scripture you're looking for. And I'll read it real quick. And God said to Abraham, let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. And all that Sarah has said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Yeah, that's correct. And I did read that at the beginning of this uh, fellowship. Uh, um, that is exactly right. And I think I just started to kind of write the note knowing that I'd already referred to it, but then kind of forgot about scratching it or, or putting it in fully. But that is exactly right. So in Isaac shall the seed be called. And now, fast forward right now to this point that I am right here in, in the study, is that Jeremiah chapter 33, and we're going to begin at verse 20. The word of the Lord in 19 says, It came unto Jeremiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, 20, If you can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night, and that there should not be day and night in their season. All right, we'll stop there. So in other words, I woke up this morning and it was a new day. As I look out the window right now, night has fallen upon us. And this scripture says, if you can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of night, and there should not be day and night in their season, then may also my covenant be broken with David my servant. So in other words, until day and night, and that covenant that God gave in bringing forth day and night for us, until that covenant there is broken, who is God's servant? David. Come on. David. 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 Absolutely. That he should not have a son to reign on, upon his throne, and with the Levites, the priests, my ministers. The host of heaven cannot be numbered, neither the sand of the sea be measured. 
So will I multiply the seed of David my servant and the Levites that minister unto me. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Mary Jeremiah, saying, Considerest thou not what this people have spoken, saying, The two families which the Lord hath chosen, he has even cast them off. Now I want to stop there. <clears throat> what does that scripture say? He says, Consider not... Now, okay, the way the King James writes it, and, and Russell, if you've got another version, or Zan or Texas, or uh, anybody else, um, you can read that. But basically, consider thou not what this people have spoken, saying, so he's saying to them, have you considered what these people are saying? And the question is, who is the they? Remember, these people are captives now. Jeremiah is the prophet sent to the captives. Consider what this people have said, saying, the two families which the Lord has chosen, he has even cast them off, question mark. These are the two families that have been chosen. Thus they have despised my people, that they should be no more a nation before them. And this scripture is the one that jumped out at me in my thoughts when Russell and I were talking about everything that's going on, and I said, well, Russell, I think what we've got to get down and understand, when we're talking about Weinstein and some of the other things and so forth, is that they want to wipe God's people out. And for our people not to know and understand their kingdom duty and responsibility as the servant nation of God to this creation of God, we will continue to fall prey to these wicked ones who are adverse to the will of God. And the two families which the Lord has chosen, he has even cast them off, Thus they have despised my people. And that's what's going on here. They despise God's people. And it isn't the Jews, is it? Because they don't despise the Jews, do they? No. No. They love the Jews. That's because, that's because the Jews are part of them. They are part of those who despise his people, his servant people of the house of David and his servant people of the house of Judah. Well, finish the sentence, Doug. Thus says the Lord, if my covenant be not with day and night, and if I have not appointed the ordinance of heaven and earth, well, this I cast... What? You went past it. You went past it. What I was, I'll read it. And this oh, is okay. American standard. My oh, yeah. People no, no longer are they as a nation in their sight. Yes, that they should be no more a nation before them. And that's kind of that, that's kind of like an opinion, isn't it? That's exactly what they are trying to do. And it isn't just Jews. 
It's all those who are adverse to God. Those people just happen to claim the moniker or the title of Jew and have convinced people worldwide almost that they are the chosen people. But this is what they have in mind and this is what they're seeking to do. And even in God having taken them into captivity by his own hand, these captives took the credit and said that they wanted them to be no more a people. And God knew this. God saw it. God understood this long before we ever went into captivity as a people of the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Thus says the Lord, if my covenant be not day with day and night, and if I, ha I have not appointed the ordinance of heaven and earth, that's another point. If God did not appoint the ordinance of heaven and earth, in other words, there is a heaven and there is an earth, there are two ordinances. A heavenly abode and an earthly abode. And if he did not cast that covenant away, then will I cast away the seed of Jacob and David my servant, so that I will not take any of his seed to be rulers over the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for I will cause their captivity to return and have mercy on them. So he said, my covenant of day and night has not gone away, and my ordinance of heaven and earth is not passed away. And if it should pass away, then I will cast away that seed of Jacob forever. But that's not what happened. I just am hoping that these couple of scriptures here will give you some extra ammunition as well. I think that it's very clear that when you take chapters 33 and 34 of Jeremiah together in context, it's very revealing. Well, maybe I should just do that. Let's see. Uh, we don't have time to go into both do take time to read both Jeremiah 33 and Jeremiah 34. <clears throat> and I guess the point I was trying to make, I made a note here in my notes that <clears throat> what's really revealing is that there's something clearly happening where they profess God's law, but they don't follow it. And we in America today and God's people in Christian lands all over the earth are professing God's law, but they are not following it. And we know that. We understand that. But it's that important that we understand and that important that we double down on our efforts as we speak with people about this fallacy and about this theological untruth, this theological bald-faced lie that continues to persist in the Jews being God's chosen people and Abram being a Jew and uh, 
Isaac being a Jew, and even Christ himself being a Jew. And that's kind of what I guess started it, Russell, or started me down this thought was when you had mentioned that, who who were you talking to? You said that they they mentioned that Jesus was a Jew, you know. Um, I'm trying to remember what that conversation was that you had. Well, don't forget the bumper sticker that you see. Oh, yeah. About my Jewish father Boss. is a carpenter. May yeah, I'm a Jewish carpenter. Yeah, I kind of misspoke when I said that, you know, these are Jeremiah. They haven't quite gone into captivity yet at this time, and I think I may have said that they're in captivity, but. These, what God is saying there is that the people are around about um, these, uh, these Israelites and the house, houses of Judah and the houses of Israel, they're, they're seeing their apostasy or their hypocrisy, I should say, rather than apostasy. They're seeing their hypocrisy where they're professing and yet they're not doing as, as they, and so they're basically blaspheming God and they're putting to, to shame God's name. And that's what's happening with our people in America is putting to shame God's name. And it's all that more important that we don't allow that stuff to happen. And when we have these conversations, we, we get animated enough to say to people, you do not understand how you blaspheme the name of the Lord in so doing these things and so repeating these things. And remember always to try to tell them that you have been warned. You will have no covering for your sin and your blasphemy if you continue to utter those words. So that's kind of the way that I began to, you know, really work it into my approach. Wait, when I get this... Say, uh, reiterate there what you meant by that, those words. What are you referring to? I'm referring to those in our in our midst, those that we speak to, family, friends, acquaintances, uh-huh. so forth, that uh-huh. are professing Christians, that are professing uh-huh. Christians, and so forth. They uh-huh. need to stop professing this this untruth, this lie, this hoax. That the, number one, the, the, is, Harry, the Harry Weinstein is a chosen people or hard Exactly. Exactly. Because, see, I even had a conversation with somebody who said, well... But wait I a minute, Doug. Go ahead. Wait a minute. Is it Harvey or Harry? Harvey. Okay, his, Harvey. Brother, his brother might be Harry. I don't know. I guess... What, is said, Harvey do- what has Harvey done? It's so bad. All that was buried at the cross. He can well, fall back into grace. Okay, right. And see, this is where I was going to go with that, is that I had somebody say to me, well, I said, well, and and he's one of God's chosen people, just to pique the conversation. And you know what the response was? Well, David David sinned. Yeah, I've heard that one a few times. And I said, yes, David did sin. David did sin. But I said, God forgave him because he... And I just waited 
with a pregnant pause there because he and the person could not respond and I said he repented. Well, I haven't read that about Harvey yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he feels bad. He feels bad. Uh-huh. But he's, he's going to go into counseling. Yeah, he's yeah, going to yeah, he's going to go into counseling. Good job, Texas. <laughs> yeah. That was that. <laughs> right, that was that. That was that. Good job. Well, that, that Louisiana boy, he's awake, huh? Uh-huh. Yep. Still here. But his, but his own brother said he was sick. Oh, yeah. Well, sorry but to hear that. But, but later on today, we found out his own brother had a few... Romps in the wood pile. Uh-huh. So he's up for he's up for charges. <laughs> so oh, okay, so let's get this straight. So Billy Graham, or what's the son's name that's carrying on the torch? Franklin. Franklin. Yeah. 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 Franklin. You know, it puts Franklin in an awkward spot, doesn't it? Because he's got to defend Harvey as God's chosen person, people. Well, that's exactly how, that's how he's going to defend him. He's going to defend him as that we're all sinners. Mm-hmm. I mean, the scriptures, you know, are full of, you know, um, uh, uh, scriptural sound bites for the clergy to use. It's whether or not they're used in context. It's whether or not they're used correctly. So you and I are supposed to love Harvey and hate his dastardly deeds. You know, it sounds a lot like uh, the guy from Colorado City who was the Dobson. He sort of said the same thing about the serial killer, didn't he? After he interviewed him. It, something to the effect of we're to love the sinner and hate the sin but aren't the sinner and the sin sort of synonymous yeah well I mean we have the fortunate blessing that we actually engaged with what God gave us in this biblical record and began to look into it, even if we could confess that we don't look into it enough. But um, we had the ability to deceive. And, uh, and, and that's, that's a huge blessing because, as I say, this stuff is not necessarily new for us. It's well, I- as... As Hoskins just, said to me one time, he says, our our propaganda has got to get better. And you hate to use the word propaganda, but his point is meaningful in that it's obvious the propaganda machine goes, you know, night and day on the other side, and it's continual uh, with every possible form of of communication that we have. And so, therefore you do kind of feel like our propaganda has got to get better because if we're going to counteract the multiplicity of, of, uh, of these uh, 
propaganda machines, then we've really got to we've really got to step up our game. And and I I clearly get his point, even though he used the word propaganda, and some of us might not appreciate that word, but we truly well, got to get right. Why wouldn't who who did God send in and said wipe out the Canaanites, men, women, and children? Is he talking to saw us? Um, who who did he I get think, that? Who? I think Saul he told to. I think it was Amorites, but yeah. Well, he told him Joshua. Samuel, Samuel told the king, um, to hit the ground a few times to like symbolize wiping out the Amorites or something? Well, I mean, yeah. there are several examples of God telling his people to wipe out another people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Saul attacked them, but they, he saved, like, gold and animals. Yeah. Right. And I mean, we have no historical evidence of God saying, love the sinner, hate the sin. <laughs> Well, really? Brother Russell, God changed in the New Testament. He loves everybody. Well, okay, see how easy propaganda is. You know, I just propagandized you, and of course, you know that. I, I wish you'd quit. Quit using that word propaganda like it's bad because it comes from propagate, planting. Right. So, I mean, and we can plant good seed. And we need to propagate good seed. We need to propagate truth. Yeah. Well, it is interesting. Well, well let me, yeah. let me, let me uh, fire up here because uh, yeah, the hour is getting late. Um, but... You know, right on that same point of mercy and and so forth, and you know, it, God changed in the New Testament, brother, and uh, you know, He loves everybody. Um, um, he's got His tender mercy and His spirit, and in that whole captivity there in in Babylon, um, He moved. God moved the. Uh, uh, king of Babylon to let the new servants, meaning his his captives, Judah, to let him go. And King of Babylon did that. He let him go. But these same these same children of God, children of Israel, servants of God, when they were told to release their captives. They released them, but then turned around and oppressed them and made them captives again. And God showed them how he could have this king be moved to release them from captivity. And Ezra and Nehemiah both record it. But what God was watching for out of Ezra and Nehemiah's record here is he's watching for those who returned to him with their whole heart and those who did not return to him with his whole heart. 
And this is where that distinction starts to be made where God himself is watching his own house of Judah return, having been released from captivity, and watches to see what they do again. So some of those Judaized or of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin, they liked Babylon. They liked the perks that they had in Babylon. They rose to positions of prominence in Babylon. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Just and like so, the British, just like the British in America. Yes. After exactly. the revolution. Yes, exactly. There are those who are after God's heart in doing and professing righteousness, and there are those who are after the self or the almighty dollar or whatever else motivates and drives them. Mm -hmm. So, God says, if they won't have me to rule over him, remember all the parables. He said, bring those who will not that I should rule over them and slay them before my feet. And the church world is devoid of this understanding because they do not recognize the kingdom. And they have cast the kingdom off. We used to have kingdom preachers who taught the kingdom, but then they got sidetracked into teaching other things besides the kingdom. Because apparently... They have have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. Yes, They can't even claim and boast to be of Abraham. But God's not going to let the imposters have their way. He already already named who the birthright was, and he already named who the scepter was. The scepter is true Judah, and it's not an admixture of Judahites from Babylon calling themselves or retaining the distinction as Jews. Uh Uh-huh. So, so Jeremiah... These are the same people that later on in, was it in Matthew where Jesus said, you ne- I never knew you depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Absolutely. Absolutely, that's exactly right. And I've got another thought, too, on that same line, and I did write it down, so I won't forget it, but um, I was going to flip us back to Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 11 real quickly. Because it says, For as the girdle cleaves to the loins of a man, so have I caused to cleave unto me the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah, says the Lord, that they might be unto me for a people and for a name and for a praise and for a glory, but they would not hear. So another very important distinction here is how God says, that just like a girdle cleaves to you to the body, this is what Israel and Judah are supposed to do is cleave unto me. And he's going to see to it that they do it one way or another. And he leads them into the captivity. But that scripture there in 1311, I think, is another one that we need to underline and mark as being some more ammunition to teach the people 
that these these are these are lifelong statements, if you will. These are forever type of statements. These aren't just willy nilly statements that God throws around as if things are all going to change in a thousand years from that point. He he is telling them unequivocally, and of course we have the New Testament scriptures as well, which we're going to get to. But there again, like I say, the true scepter goes to true Judah, and only a Judah who hears his voice, only a Judah who does the will of the Father. Now, (laughs) to borrow a phrase, these two genealogical families, they are as distinct as black is from white. And what has happened is that our kingdom preachers, the preachers who used to king the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, They've nearly forsook teaching this biblical kingdom truth anymore, basically trying to push the fat foot of rejected genealogy, to borrow a phrase, I think you might have all heard that before, (laughs) trying to push the fat foot of a rejected genealogical descendant of Abraham into the slipper of a seed line doctrine. And that's nothing more than a Talmudic and Kabbalistic fable and they are now pushing this seed line doctrine and have been for a long time that the Jews are an offspring of unnatural conjugal union or coition with Eve in the garden with Samael or the fallen angel and it makes the Israel identity truth therefore a mockery because anybody teaching this kingdom message who subscribes to that theology as well, it makes it a complete mockery. We began this study with the Adamic genealogical tree. That's the genealogical tree that God wanted you to be aware of. It's the genealogical tree that he wanted you to follow. It was the genealogical tree that he said, it is this tree, it is these people... There were other people that were born who God did not make these covenants with. And they continue to exist as a people today because they were not wiped out. Those that God said, go wipe them out. Cain was a bad fig. Just like you started to say earlier, Russell, this brings us all the way back to Cain and Abel, and it absolutely does. Cain was a bad fig, and he lost his birthright. Esau was a bad fig, and he lost his birthright. Reuben, of the 12 sons of Jacob, was a bad fig and he lost his birthright. Judah had two sons, Er and Onan, Genesis 38, and God despised their wickedness, and he slew the both of them. And you know I could go on and on and on. But essentially, if the biblical identity and the kingdom preachers are not holding fast to this seed line doctrine, that many others are just closet seed liners in that by their fruit 
they reject the clear veracity of the biblical record that these are flat-out bad figs in the creation. Tares and wheat. Well, Doug, you know, back in Jeremiah 13, the last sentence, it said, but they did not listen. He's talking about, okay, and I was just thinking, actually, Eve didn't listen. Apparently, Adam didn't listen. So there's got to be, what is the thing that causes some people to listen and some people not to listen? Maybe that thought of them being in charge overcomes their ability to hear straight. You know, that lust for power. Because that's essentially what Eve was after. And it, that spirit of of lusting for that supremacy, maybe that causes you to go dumb in the head. I don't know. You know, they were talking about Mr. Weinstein getting the girl in there. And the girl said, you know, basically, I, I knew right from wrong, but he promised me the world. All I had to do was this or that, and he'd give it to me, and he did. A lot of those stars, Harvey made them. Or at least Harvey thinks he made them, and the girl thinks he made them. All they had to do is give up a little bit of flesh. You know, what's the big deal? Well, consider, consider this. Katy Perry claims that she sold her soul to the devil. Oh, I don't doubt that she sold her soul. And if it was a Harvey Weinstein devil, she clearly did sell her soul to the devil. Mm-hmm. And there are well, a bunch of little devils out there. I, I'm glad I, you brought that up. Isn't Harvey Weinstein the devil? He's certainly an adversary to God's kingdom. Yes, he is contrary to the word and the will of God. He's contrary to all righteousness, and that is absolutely correct. And that's why I brought up that whole thought about this whole seed. You're either a seed liner or you're a closet seed liner, because as a closet seed liner, you don't profess to be a seed liner, but because you cannot subscribe to the theory, the biblical theory, if you will, that there are good figs and bad figs going all the way back to the beginning, then you are a closet seed liner because you're, you refuse the clear biblical record and truth. And I don't mean this in any negative and in, in, in a way that is condescending in any form to those who've caught on to that, that doctrine and seized on it and have begun to believe it. Because, as I come back to Katy Perry, think about it. The Baptist church world and the church world after maybe the second or third century began to promote this idea even though I can give you 30, 40 scriptures that said God is the God 
the only God. There is none other besides him. Both Old and New Testament, probably an equal amount from the Old is from the New. Perhaps a little bit less from the New because it's a shorter uh, record. But I can give all of those scriptures, and yet we will take one scripture that says Satan is the God of this world because we do not understand what the word Satan means or how it is translated from the original Koine Greek, then therefore, somehow, we now have a God of this world that is different than the God who said he is the only God. So, therefore, we're a closet seed liner, if that's what we're going to continue to believe. We won't profess the seed line doctrine that says, oh, Eve had a conjugal union with a uh, Samael, a fallen Satan, uh, devil, angel, whatever. And so, again, I, I didn't even know that I was going to bring that in, but it just seemed Holy Spirit-led for me that, you know, as well, I look... I mean, wait, wait, so... So what was going on in Job, Doug? So what was going on in Job? Yeah. I don't oh, I don't know you, what you're trying to say. Oh, okay, so you're asking me um the reference to Satan? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the ter- the the word Satan was a translation of Satan, which means adversary. Uh-huh. Okay, so um, have you ever had an adversary um, in a work environment or had an adversary in your life or or somebody that you would say, man, that, that individual acted as an adversary to me? Or even in your Christian walk, did you ever have anyone that crossed your paths that, that sought to direct you in a different direction or somebody in the workplace that is constantly standing against you because they see you as being somebody that, you know, perhaps has got it together or that you could, you could um, you know, rise to a different position in the workplace or any of that. Have you had any of those instances in life? Uh, I don't, I mean, nothing's coming to mind. Okay. But All right, but you, could, you, could you accept that fact? Or not? Well, I mean, are you saying this was just somebody that didn't get along with Job? Um, well, I don't know, because the word is translated adversary. Do you know but, that Do you know that also in Scripture that God acted as a Satan against David? But but we're we're talking about Job, though. Okay. And, I mean, you had a guy go up into the heavenly host and talk to God? I mean, that was just somebody that was mad at Job? The scripture says the word is Satan, which is an adversary. If God wants to send you an adversary and he sends you an angelic adversary and he summons this angelic adversary to the heavenly realm to speak to you, to to speak to him, it's perfectly within God's purview to do that, is it not? Right. But, I mean, then it, it would be an entity. It would be an entity. But it's not God. 
it's God. If God is the only create, if God is the only God, then you don't have another God who is God. You only have one God. You don't have something else. You can have an angelic being that has power and has been commissioned with power to do something that would be adverse to you, including a prophet coming to you and say, you know, hey, Zant, this whole thing is is hubaloo. Um, don't follow that. And here, follow this. And if you take the bait, then your salvation or your redemption by Christ has all been for naught because you went the way of the wicked and didn't stay the course in the way of righteousness. So, I mean, how does that tie into the seed line? I don't understand... Okay. I mean, the there's seed. there's quite there's more than one reference to the a god of this world. There's not just one reference. There's several passages in the New Testament. I mean, I don't under understand. I mean, I'm not saying it's a dichotomy, a, a yin and a yang, but I don't understand how that's also part of the seed line. Well, the seed line, those that you know. Even Pastor Peters knew that he never was going to profess being a seed liner, um, even though there were many Israelite identity preachers who um, had gone that direction. Um, what the seed line has to do with it is the seed liners believe that this, quote, fallen angel, Samael, mm-hmm had a conjugal relation with Eve. So let's ask ourselves a question. It says that Eve did take of the tree and did eat, and then she turned to her husband and gave him also to eat. So in other words, if we follow the seed line doctrine, eating and all the rest of that, they, they profess that eating that, that forbidden fruit um, is synonymous with um, conjugal union or coition. So, therefore, she turned to Adam and said, here, you conjugal union with this, uh, with this uh, thing as well. You see, we fail to sometimes follow it through in our thinking and say, well, now it seems ridiculous that Eve would turn to, to this uh, husband of hers and say, well, now you have sexual relations with 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 Eve uh with uh with the serpent as well. That's what we have to believe and that's what the seed line doctrine does believe. And I've read before on these fellowships the clear words out of the cabal indicating what it is that the Jews believe. Right. And it's interesting, it's like so mind-boggling that you have a seed liner professing something that's in the cabal, in the Jewish writings, and then they are actually claiming that the Jews are, in fact, of it, and so, that's how, how they came into existence. Are you describing how, their... How does that tie into a, a God of, I mean, a, 
a Satan or an adversary or a God of this world or a higher power. How does I don't what? see the connect. I don't How? see the connection between Steve Line and there not being a Satan or a okay, God of this world. Maybe what um, I need to is ask you what what do you mean when you say seed line? Well, you you just earlier you said you you tied in the seed line with the the God of this world from the New Testament and said you can I mean if you're if you don't if you're not you're a closet seed line or if you think there's a God of this world named Satan. And I, I don't understand how you put those two together. Oh, okay. Well, what I was saying is that is that it's interesting how we have the seed line doctrine, which many of the kingdom preachers used to, uh, you know, I guess cut their teeth on, and then they, they transferred into this seed line doctrine as part of, of their whole doctrine. And then we went from from the seed line doctrine to those who are closet seed liners because in essence you you profess one I don't mean you I say one professes that they believe that there is one god and they profess that this god is the god of all creation therefore he has the power and the ability over all so if right. he has power and the ability over all, and yet I claim something else has power and ability over me or you or anybody else, then I am professing what the seed liners profess and that there is another God with power in which to do that. And that's how I, I see it that's how I say that, in essence, we become closet seed liners if we can't understand and accept the proof and the real record written. I'm going to just flip back to Genesis here. God says to Abel, Cain talked with Abel. I'm in Genesis chapter 4, verse uh, four and Abel also brought of the first lean of his frock and of the fat thereof and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect and Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell and the Lord said unto Cain why art thou wroth and why is thy countenance fallen if you do well shall you not be accepted and if you do not well sin lies at the door and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So I have to ask the question, if Cain is an offspring of the conjugal union with Eve, of the Samael serpent, uh, Satan of, of uh, Jewish cabalistic uh, lore, then why would God stand here and attempt to reason with Cain and say, Cain, if you do well, won't you be accepted? Cain was the firstborn. Cain had a birthright at his fingertips. And somehow he wasn't happy with what his birthright would be because he didn't feel like he was acceptable enough or whatever. And I suspect it had to do with 
the way that his whole persona and his attitude was. Because according to God, according to the biblical record, he says that the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering, but unto Cain he didn't have respect. When God looks at you or me, he is looking to us and making a determination. He's making a judgment call. Is this a good fig or is this a bad fig? Is this fig worth working with? David committed a sin worthy of death. Cain committed a sin worthy of death. In both instances, according to the book of Jasher at least, the record seems to indicate that that Cain repented. But we don't want to receive that. We want to reject that, even though we'll hold the book of Jasher up as saying it's part of the should be a part of the Bible, but yet we'll reject the fact that God let Cain live. Well, I, I thought God let Cain live because there wasn't two witnesses against him. And you're deriving that because of well, I mean, the... you have to have two witnesses to... I mean, that's just the way God works, right? To have an accusation against something or somebody. Did not God say that he... The blood I mean, it's the, same, it's the same reason Jesus didn't kill the woman taken in adultery. Yes, that's exactly right. There were not two witnesses. There were no witnesses. There were no witnesses. There were no witnesses. Right. So that's why he didn't kill him on the spot. No, I'm saying there were no witnesses for the woman. Who was a witness for God? When when Cain when Cain spilled Abel's blood and God says your blood the blood of Abel cries out from the ground, mm-hmm. that is not a that's not a witness to God in God's divine realm. So God couldn't execute a judgment of death upon Cain for slaying his brother because he he well, is he not didn't. is not a he is not a witness and the blood is not a witness. I I guess not, or he would have killed him. Well, that, huh? that it seems to me that God had all the witnesses that he needed. Well, then why didn't he kill him? Well, that's a question for God. I mean, but I, I understand. How how does the fact that God didn't kill him? So, so he's a seed of of the of the serpent seduction and inner and conjugal union, and so God's going to let him live, so that he can and his uh, his progeny, his descendants, can afflict you the rest of your life. And that makes sense. Well, no, I, I mean, I, I was, I, I'm not really sure where you were going with the Cain and Abel deal as far as the seed line. Well, I was talking about good figs and bad figs, and and I look at this guy, Harvey Weinstein, 
who is supposedly put up as being, you know, one of God's chosen people. He's a Jew. And the Jews run Hollywood, and our people cannot seem to understand what's happening to them. Some do, some don't. We're trying to reach those who don't. We're trying to find any way that we can to, to break through. And um, I'm looking at it in this pure simplicity of the gospel. There are good things and there are bad things. Right. And there are those who claim that they are somebody that they are not, including a Christian, who claim they are Christians, but they are not. They do not act that way. They say it with their mouth, but the actions and so forth. And so there are good things and bad things. And we, going back for the longest time that I can remember that I have been fellowshipping with the Lord and in various groups and assemblies together, I see that we find that we simply will not reject this simple truth that goes all the way back to the garden. The rejection of God, his command, his instruction, a bad fig right out of the loins of Adam, a bad fig right out of the loins of Judah, a bad fig. We have Christ right out of the loins of Judah. So if, if we are going to profess something that the seed liners have basically been teaching and carry it off into our own theology without duly assessing it and studying it out and clearly looking for the biblical truth in it, not just a scripture here or there, looking for the, the whole thing to be carried through the scripture. There is no mention anywhere in the Old Testament at all where you are seeing that any of God's problems with the Israelites or the house of Judah that he attributes to this fallen seed line, this despicable seed line. He constantly, the whole biblical record, is God dealing with trying to get the creation in line with righteousness and the righteousness of his will and his creation. So I didn't intend to make this a... uh, a uh, seed line or doctrine or anything here at the closing of this. Um, But I guess that's the way it worked out because I felt moved. Well, well, I mean... That that thought that we become closet seed liners when we reject the simple truth that there are good and there are bad. Go ahead, Well, I mean, I've never thought Cain came from a union with Satan or whatever. I didn't say that you did. Uh, Wait a minute. No, no, I'm not going to hand you that. I'm just saying, but there was something in the garden, uh, a serpent, that's even referenced all the way into Revelation. I'm just saying there is some kind of entity, uh, and I don't even have a problem that it was like you said, it was an evil spirit God cre- or a 
a spirit purposed for destruction. Testing. I'm just saying it. It is a thing. It, there is some sort. I don't think it's a god, a capital G god that has the same power as our god. Well, but I, I don't understand how that makes me a closet seed liner. I, I didn't say you were a closet seed liner. I said that when people want to reject that there are good figs and there are bad figs, right in the same line of descendancy of people where good figs came from, right. we become almost like closet seed liners because we refuse that biblical truth, but we accept the other biblical truth more than we do accept that there's a good fig and there's a bad fig right in the same family line, Jacob and Esau. Right. And and I I mean I under, I understand that. I just didn't under understand what you meant where you you were talking about the God of this world in the New Testament and tying that back into the the seed line doctrine. Well well what what he has failed to mention is this it's a version of the Immaculate Conception on the other side. In other words, this is the birth of Satan's seed in mankind is what they teach. Right. But there, I mean, there was a curse put on the serpent, on the serpent, right? Okay, yeah, there's a curse put on the serpent and he said, on your belly you shall go. But then, right. I mean, it, her seed and your seed are going to battle, right? I mean, well, it, it, it's an explanation of of uh, the two can't coexist. The good fig and the bad fig cannot coexist, and that's mm-hmm. what the enmity thing was. They're going to hate each other. But uh, but it's talking about the serpent. Right? Well, it does use the word serpent, yes. I mean, I don't think Cain was some kind of progeny of this. I mean, well, they, they I, mean, I thought it was the of... same sons of the devil. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's. I mean, it's the same year of your father, the devil, that. Uh, the pro uh John the Baptist was talking to right and, but here's here's what I've come to to learn is that that word devil means a word it has a definition it's it's not just the Catholic booger bear, and you are of your your father father the adversary. Right, but I, I mean, he also cast the there devils is, out. There is a spirit of adversary. So there, there's some kind of. I, I don't know if it's God's testing spirit. Um, 
So the testing spirits wanted to go into the pigs? Well, I mean, uh, they're, they're a force. Well, let, let me ask this, because I know it, it gets late, and Russell, I know that you always get up early, and, and I don't know what uh, Zant's schedule is and stuff, too. Um, I, he has, I he guess, has to get up early, too. I guess what happened here is somehow um, I have I've touched a nerve, and it's unsettling in in the way that I've conveyed it, and it sounds like there's some unsettling um, concerns about uh, this Satan and devil. Um, I think that we actually, way back in the beginning, began to have some fellowships, and I don't remember if you were on those fellowships at that time, Zant, or not. Uh, do you... We took up that. I don't know. If we took well, we took up that topic. You'd know if if you were on he, it. I imagine. He wasn't. He wasn't. He was in the middle of something. So, so it could be that what's important to be done is is to revisit that and take it piece by piece, and uh, and and certainly uh, um, get into it. And, uh, you know, if there's things that need to be learned by me or anybody else who ever comes in fellowships or anything else, um, then I'm all for learning. And I'm all for for understanding. And and that's what this fellowship was for when 20 or so men got on a telephone conference together and began to talk about, you know, staying staying in fellowship. So um, uh, is that something that you'd like to do, is, is get into a fellowship discussion on on that topic more and, and, and maybe aid my understanding and, and help others that, uh, that are, are perhaps confused on, on the subject too, or is that something that you're... Um. I guess now's not really uh, the best time (laughs) for my situation in life. Uh, But, I I, I mean, I just got too much stuff, too many irons in the fire at the moment. Well, uh, it was was great that you stopped in tonight. I, I think I said something to Russell that that maybe he uh, he thought he would uh, reach out to uh, family and stuff and 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 let them know that that I was gonna gonna press this thing about Harvey Weinstein and and uh, uh, it was really a, kind of a play on words the way Pastor used to always do it. Uh, if the titles don't get you, why you know uh, <laughs> I don't know what will. So so uh, I guess he thought that was a unique title, but. Uh, um, I don't know whether we accomplished anything here tonight in fellowship or whether we found any new ammunition for the subject of of those that are professing to be uh, God's chosen people called Jews today. Um, my summary uh, notes basically 
um, centered around um, one of those scriptures that you referenced, and that would be John, the book of John. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's John chapter 3. Uh, certainly, certainly what uh, what John the Baptist said in, in Matthew uh Matthew 3, I think it was, also came to mind, just as you had had quoted, I think, about John the Baptist calling them a brood of vipers, you know. Don't think that you have Abraham to your father. Um, What that should be telling us right there is that they had Abraham to their father, and they believed that just that was their ticket to paradise. And he was saying, you know, that ain't so, and he says, "Bring forth." What was it? How did he say it? Bring forth uh, meat fit for repentance, or something like that. So mm-hmm. that me, you know, again, uh, I don't, I don't disregard those scriptures that that you actually spoke of because they were part of my summation here in in my thoughts and my notes. Is that that's what we're dealing with? We're dealing with people out here who profess to be gods, profess to know God, um, mm-hmm. call themselves the chosen ones, uh, etc. And um, they're nothing but vipers. You wouldn't want your, your daughter within 10 feet of them without somebody else being there with uh, their hand on her elbow to make sure that she got pulled away from the guy. Uh, so he is a brood of vipers. He is a viper. He he's a pedophile. He's a rapist. He's uh, a fornicator. Uh, he's everything Revelation twenty two talks about. Well, and so, also, Doug, he his dialogue is not much different than that serpent creature. Absolutely he promised, not. He promised them godhood, actually. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I, I do want to throw one thing out as far as Harvey goes. I, I don't doubt it, but, you know, all of this is really just hearsay, accusations. Uh, just keep that in mind. I mean, I, I'm not definitely going to uh, defend, defend, defend Harvey, but the fact of it well, is, is you could get a bunch of women to say anything about anybody if you paid them enough or yeah. they were motivated and, and, and we're talking another, about actors an, another question would be why now you know? well I mean it's all a farce because nobody's talking about uh, known pedophiles like uh, Polanski he's still just a good old boy or uh, Woody Allen, he's still cool. So it doesn't it doesn't make sense why this is going on now, other than they're selling their company. Weinstein Co is being sold, bought and sold right now. Usually they only turn on each other if somebody stole some money. Uh, well. That. I kind of wonder if that's what what his boo boo was. Somebody caught him dipping into the till. Well, but all that being said, um, 
then I would retort with the same retort, and that is, well, that's an allegation that's not proven. So uh, <laughs> that's my own personal conjecture of why I, it's in the I, media I, every, every I ten seconds. And I don't yeah. have a I don't have a problem with your personal conjecture. I I just was trying to, you know, uh, provide the levity that that says, yeah, well, well that that's that's in the same vein. It, it's not proven yet, and and so what is it? But as you say, uh, what was it that tipped the apple cart? So in other words, we still can assume pretty clear, pretty uh, probably pretty without much error that he is all of those things, and now you've added one more to it, which is that he may be a thief and, and got his fingers caught in somebody else's cookie jar. Uh, it could be that he's also tied up with what we opened up with tonight, uh, with this whole thing that just broke today about this Russian collusion with the, the Democrat Party on this whole thing with uh, with Putin and the, uh, the um, uh, uh, nuclear... Um, uh, we call that stuff uh, the nuclear material and stuff, and so uh, yeah, it, it's an incestuous pool of of bad figs, evil doers, and they're out here in control of the society that that God said he had he had commissioned David's seed to be a servant nation to go out there and root out this this wickedness and. Well, uh, it's it's getting late, but and and I wanna, but I do want to say this: if somebody accuses you, Zant, of an impropriate, inappropriate thing, you know deep in your heart that you're gonna say one thing: it didn't happen. It's a lie, yeah. and. You wouldn't seek therapy for something that didn't happen, would you? <laughs> well, uh, at the bottom of every one of those, uh, every Harvey Weinstein report, it says he equivocally denies anything other than con- consensual relations. Well, but again... He's still a fornicator because a consensual yeah, relationship... Yeah. That guy at Crescent Park that supposedly cheated with a lady in the choir when we were in church, his response was, when asked, did he do it or he didn't do it, his response was, upon the advice of my lawyers, I cannot comment on this issue. And I looked at Cindy and I said, if I did it, if I didn't do it, I'm going to look out at the church crowd and I'm going to say it didn't happen. And no lawyer's going to keep me from saying that because it's the truth. However, if if I did have something to do with them, the lawyer line is the perfect line. Yep, and God didn't give that perfect line to his people. He said if you know of sin, you're supposed to speak. You're supposed to, even if you yourself have sinned, you're supposed to come forward, even if it means that Death is going to come upon you by it. There was no Fifth Amendment in the divine but, law of God. All right, hold I'll, on. I'll, Things up. I'll, take it, I'll take it and close us out in a word of prayer then, if y'all don't right. care. And Sounds I good. Uh, I won't belabor the point. 
I'll say, God, thank you for all the wonderful things you do for us each day. You are God, and we sure appreciate your mercy and kindness and grace on us when we do stupid things that aren't very righteous or godly, but we thank you for your mercy. We ask for protection tonight as we sleep. We thank you for the truth. We thank you for family relationships and brethren. We thank you, though, most for your word that we have it available. Thank you for time and thank you for taking care of us. Jesus, we ask for your prayers on our country that we live in, our states, our cities, and our families, Jesus. In your name we pray, above all other names, amen. 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 Good good night, everybody, and I'm glad uh, some of you tuned in. All right. Good night, everyone. All right.